0: All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 300 of the KISS FAQ podcast. I guess we are Sparta. Um, Joining me today are Michael Cavaccini. Hey, everyone. Daniel, Wee's on the board. Hello. And I'm going to get it right today. Marcus Almighty. Mark,
1: thank you all
0: for joining me. Daniel and Mark, you were on the last episode, so hopefully you're both still healthy. Michael, it's been a while since you've been on. How are you doing in isolation, quarantine, and being made to be antisocial?
2: uh doing well because i've always been like an introvert and an extrovert i um, mean i'm lucky that i can work from home and uh, i've been using any free time that i have to do things like play elder scrolls online and escape to you know these fantasy worlds where uh, if we can't be in our own world may as well escape to a pretty fantasy world uh, through an MMORPG rpg or something of that nature so between that books movies uh, games, all that good stuff. It kind of gives you an opportunity to catch up on all these things. Um, but, you know, we did go for a walk yesterday um, and just kept our distance from people and all that. Um, but they said that in the news this week might be a rough week, so we'll probably play it even safer just to be, um, you know, just to make sure we're not uh, potentially risking anything. But, uh, you know, just trying to make the most of it, stay positive, uh, work out when we can uh, so we don't waste away into blobs uh and uh that's it so hopefully you know in a few weeks or a month or two things will be better but right now it's just kind of like you know crazy you watch the news you'll lose your mind you know yeah i
3: saw a swedish i saw a swedish guy in barcelona he ran a marathon in his apartment (laughs)
1: nice something to do actually i saw something very cool yesterday i don't know how many of you saw this but uh on fox they were showing Uh, They did a virtual stock car race. They had people, like actual racers, in their homes with those kind of steering wheels and they had the actual game. Like I, I guess it's EA Sports or one of those ones had it. And they had the actual commentators broadcast it while they were racing in sync with each other on this. And it was absolutely the funniest thing ever because they kept crashing every two minutes into each other. Like you would never think these guys are actual professional drivers the way they played in this game. It was like unbelievable, but it was it was entertaining and it's, you know, something that maybe they might do more of these kind of like virtual tournaments online you know
0: I think one of the racers get get Messi and Ronaldo on EA sports football you know playing against (laughs) each other that sort of stuff would be really fun
3: what Mark is saying is I think one of the racers was was one who actually crashed in in, in real life and became you know uh, had to sit in a wheelchair and he was Mm -hmm. uh, he managed to to be a part of that game so that was kind of nice
0: yeah That's good. I think circumstances, you know, are really resulting in creativity for many people and how they're approaching this sort of the things that they do. And that's a fantastic segue directly into KISS conversation. Paul Stanley has uh, put up his latest home video of him performing songs this morning. And today he um, approached uh, Making Love Hotter Than Hell and got to choose with stories from Electric Lady, stories about his inspiration and you know what it's really fun and he he says right off the top of you know the show is you know this is just him getting together with us as you know uh, casually So he's not going back and fixing it and improving it and making it a massive production. He's just having fun, giving us something to enjoy together. And I think that really is a wonderful approach to how he's doing it. And I really appreciate him taking the time to talk about his song. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, do check it out. It's well worth 13 minutes of your life to, uh, you know, get away from Netflix the news. God, turn the news off because you just don't want to have that. Um, What other news? Dan, you shared something really cool from uh, your neck of the woods that's going to be coming out. What do you know about it? And uh, yeah, let everyone know what that is.
3: Well, I just saw it uh, before the show started, but I I saw that the guys who wrote this book, Partners in Crime, Mm -hmm. are going to release uh, a second one and hopefully it'll be as good as the first one because this was Really, really good, and you know the two guys who who, who write this, or someone is approaching here. Ah, nice. Can I have one? Ah, some Snickers. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, so they they are going to do a second part, and the guys who who, who wrote the first one and this one, they are Kiss fans uh, for decades, and they are about the same age as me, so I, I can. Uh, uh, relate to a lot of the stories and the uh, experiences that they, that they had, and they always have a great cover. I think the cover for the next one is a shot from, you know, when Paul and Jean got dressed up for the "Rise, Rise to It" video. So mm-hmm. they have a photo from 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 that uh, that thing, and uh, with a crappy Jean costume, of course, but. Uh, Whatever. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. Unfortunately, they, they they didn't want to be a part of our podcast last time around because I made a whole lot of comments and you know, as the true Kiss fan, I uh, took some notes while reading this, but we never got the opportunity to, to talk with them about it. So hopefully this time around they they've changed their mind, but but uh, I wouldn't uh, bet on it.
0: But we're it was not- this book. They did right. Well, that, no, that's, that, no, that, that's, that's one actually, that Carl uh, Linnaeus has done. That's a different oh, book, uh, completely different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah we with don't do Swedish. We don't do Swedish. So I think they stuck to, you know, because the book is in the original book was in Swedish only. Um, there was not much point promoting it to an English language audience um, because we're only really purchasing it for the cover, rather than I mean, I might get two words <laughs> into Google Translate, yeah, but, but, but forget about it.
3: Uh, I think it would be uh, you know paying homage to the fans I mean especially when people can't read it there's a real good idea of talking about it but because there are stories in this one that you've never heard and it would be great to to, you know know spread them around the world instead of just uh, keeping it for yourself and our sweet uh, we in Sweden so uh, I think there's a lot to talk about I mean if one guy wrote something in Spanish Uh, Living in Argentina or whatever. I would love to hear him talk about the experiences in Argentina It's even more fascinating because you've heard the American um, Take on it and you've heard Mm -hmm. the British way and the Scandinavian for me But but I've never heard uh, how it was in you know, Mexico or somewhere so a book Concentrating on that part of the world would be really interesting to hear about even if I can't read it
0: well You know, there's always a standing invitation for anyone who does a KISS project like that, whether it's in English or not, to come on and talk about it. So, you know, Alex, I've known for a long time online, very cool guy, one of the sorts of fans that just is passionate. And, (laughs) you know, what he gives to the community, a lot of people don't realize, but he does a lot for the KISS community. And here's a challenge for anyone out there. You know, while we're talking about different languages, I would love to see Odyssey, And the solo album book translated into another language, so if there are any groups of fans who are going nuts under quarantine, and want to do some (laughs) translations and translate a book, um, you you would get paid. (laughs) Yeah, uh, but it would have to be a group of people doing the whole book, and we would uh, completely change the layout and the, the cover art and all that into your language and have it published in your market. Um, but, you know, if anyone's crazy enough to do that, and yeah, you get to correct my typos in multiple languages. Uh, that would be entertaining. What fun. Yeah, let's get into today's topic. Um, Michael, this uh, topic was yours. Why don't you uh, tell us about it and, uh, you know where you're coming from with this and uh, get us started.
2: Sure. Um, so I guess what inspired this topic, uh, which is basically us listing our three best KISS-related experiences, and I think even more interesting than that are three KISS-related regrets. Um, the reason why is because I became a fan, or first saw them live in 2003, on the, when they decided that you know they were going to continue touring and continue as a band. on the farewell tour which i was thrilled about because i really didn't get a chance to see them prior to that so i was like oh am i ever going to get the opportunity so when i was thinking about that i was like okay the past like 16 years or however long it's been have been great but what about the things that i may have missed out on either during that time period or before that i perhaps regret um and then of course thinking about like what are the top three things during that time Uh, that I think are just like the ultimate uh, experiences that I've had. So that was what inspired it. So uh, with that in mind, did you want me to touch on the best or the worst?
0: let's let's start with the best you know what and we'll just go around in circles i know we've done a topic similar to this in the past with the different (laughs) cast of characters that's the strength of this show is that we have so many different participants uh our well is deep from which we can draw from in terms of participants and you know what my picks change and my picks have changed since the last time so michael why don't you go with your first uh favorite or best kiss experience that you've had
2: Sure. So I was thinking about the best. Um, I'd have to say the best, probably. And I'm, you know, these may not be in order necessarily, but I would say I'd say the number one is pretty indisputable for me is my bachelor party, which was. Um, I was trying to figure out what to do because I don't drink, I don't party, or anything like that. And um, so I heard that Gene Simmons is going to be touring, and I was like, Oh, okay. So I told my best man, I said. Let's do that. Let's see Gene in Philly, and then if you guys don't mind, you know, making it so I can do the meet and greet with him the next day at Comic-Con, that'd be awesome. So they did that. I interviewed Gene leading up to the uh, concert, and I said to him, hey, my bachelor, my, my bachelors, or my, my um, yeah, my bachelors, right, is what they call them, uh, were, they, they paid for this. And would it be possible for all of us to meet you before the show? That way I can kind of return the favor to them. And he said, sure. So we all met him before the show. It was a great experience. Uh, I introduced myself, and he said out loud, he's like, Michael Cavaccini! And I was like, oh, my God. I started to turn red. And I was, like, embarrassed because he's, like, yelling it into the whole room, and everyone's hearing it. Like, who the hell is this Michael Cavaccini? Gene's talking about. And because of his general admission, I was right against the stage, which is incredible. And, um, you know, I also got to go up onto the stage and sing part of, you know, sing I Love It Loud with Gene. Um, along with other people, and I wound up standing next to a friend of mine, Chris Giordano, and I had no idea he was even at the concert. We were just, like, singing into the microphone, I look to my right, he looks to his left, and we go, hey! And it was just a great moment. And my, one of my groomsmen, he caught, um, that's the word, groomsman. one of my groomsmen caught a guitar uh, from the opening band uh, that just, like, threw the guitar into the crowd. He reached up, grabbed it, so between us, meeting Gene that night, catching his guitar, me singing live on stage, getting it filmed, uh, and then the next day meeting Gene again and doing, you know, the whole meet and greet uh, at Comic-Con was just incredible. I mean, it was just an amazing two days. Uh, And then obviously being able to interview him leading into that was even better. So it was just uh, really a bachelor party that totally exceeded my expectations. And it happened to coincide perfectly with his tour because who knew that that was going to happen at that time? I mean... That was his first tour, you know, as a solo artist. So I was very fortunate. So I'd say that's number one. Number two, I'd say, is interviewing Paul um, at length. I mean, I interviewed him once backstage, but I interviewed him at, at length, uh, basically for his upcoming art shows. And it was fantastic. He's my favorite, has always been, probably always will be. And then I got to meet him at the art show and have him sign the cover story. And when I met him, he said, oh, you're you interviewed my son uh evan and i said yeah (laughs) it's like how does he know that like he's surrounded by thousands of people i approach him i say my name and he remembers that i gave evan his first cover story and it was just crazy that he even um remembered that and he was just so sweet and when we took the photo he held up the cover story like this so it's like between us and it was just really cool uh and paul's just one of the kindest people uh and i think the kindest person in the band um uh, I mean, obviously, Tommy is wonderful, but I mean, between Gene and Paul, I'll take Paul any day. Um, so that was just an amazing experience, and I was thrilled with that. And then the last one, I would hold, say. Probably- hold, your, hold
0: your last one, because we'll go back around, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll recircle for you for your last pick and
2: give oh, the other guys all right, I'll save-
0: an opportunity. But how lucky, you know, anyone who got to see the Gene Simmons solo band, because that was – that was not a run that lasted as long as I hoped that it would or hit as many places as I hoped that it would. And, you know, similar to you, you know, I went all out to make sure that I did not miss the Gene Simmons solo band. So, you know, fantastic that you had such a wonderful experience. So tied into real life, you know, you know, bachelor party, I mean, come on, that's, that's reality. That's, that is life. Um, But managed to combine it with that, that story You know, with you know something that just a lot of people won't have got to experience. Mark, let's go to you for your you know two of your picks, and you can tell us tell us if they're ranked or not ranked. Um, Um, yeah, they're not.
1: I don't think they're really ranked. Um, two of them have to do directly with the band, and one of them has not nothing to do. Well, it doesn't have to do directly with the band, but they have a lot to do with the situation. Uh, so the one that's the well i guess the one that's the most important to me i'll say is when i had the opportunity to take my two younger sisters with me to go see kiss for the Psycho circus tour um they never saw kiss they knew that i was uh you know the bro you know being the brother i loved kiss and they knew how much i loved kiss and stuff like that And they always rolled their eyes whenever i'd you know, talk about, hey, new Kiss Record came out and they're like, yeah, whatever. You know, they weren't into that stuff at all. But I told them, I go, listen, I had extra tickets. And I said, would you want to come and check it out? I go, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's going to be a fun time. And they said, yeah, that they'll definitely come and check it out. And all I remember is my sisters being totally enraptured in the show. Like I kept looking to the side to see if they were enjoying it. And they were completely like lost in it they were cheering standing up and then some of these songs they had no idea you know what they were but they were you know cheering and pumping their fists in the air and i just watching that was more enjoyable for me than almost the show i mean i had already seen them a couple of times from the reunion show at that point and stuff like that so um you know missing a thing here or there didn't really bother me i was just having so much fun watching them getting into it to me that's a really vivid strong memory of you know, something that was based around Kiss. So that's one of them. And the other one that's a very strong memory for me is when I got to meet Bruce Kulick at NAMM, the first time I went. Uh, That, to me, will always be one of those great moments because, as I told you guys numerous times before, uh, NAMM is one of these situations where it's not open to the public. It's just musicians and people that deal with industry folk. So they're much more relaxed in an environment where they don't mind when somebody comes up and starts talking to you because they don't expect you to be just, you know, one of these like, Oh my God, it's Bruce I And they're not going to come running up to him and, you know, drape all over him and cry or something. Right. Uh, so it was, it was really nice. I got to talk to him for like 20 minutes. We talked about different guitars, you know, what, what, what he liked about the ESP guitars that he used and stuff like that. And, you know, just other stuff in general and his, and his girlfriend at the time. I don't think he was married yet. I don't think but she offered to take a picture with my camera and stuff like that so it was a really really cool situation one of the reasons why bruce is still to this day my favorite member of kiss because i mean he was just so friendly and receptive it was like it, it felt like somebody who i had known for a long time and just reconnected with just you know years later so those two are very strong memories for me based around kiss they're
0: powerful You know, anything that you share an experience with other people, whether it's close friends or family at a show. I mean, Michael's touched on that with his story, you know, with groomsmen and, you know, bumping into a friend on. I mean, who bumps into a friend on stage? I mean, that's just (laughs) that's just next level sick. That could only happen in Kiss universe. Um, But that really, I mean, for me, I'm I'm not going to do my picks yet, but the people part. Is just so powerful, Daniel. What about you? You know, give us two of your picks.
3: Well, uh, uh, great stories, by the way. Uh, I, I'm not, sh- I'm not going to top them because my fandom is not quite the same as the one you're describing. I don't look up to Paul's uh, how Paul is as a person. I think Jean is pretty full of himself. Uh, Ace is sort of a, you know, alcoholic at least he's been. Peter Chris. well, nowadays he seems like a fun guy, but he seems to be a pain in the ass back in the day. So when it comes to meeting them and talking to them and and like, oh, he's the nicest person in Kiss and this one is the funniest person. I have friends that are funnier than Gene Simmons. I have uh, friends that play the bass better than Gene. But it's something about the band and the music and how it has affected me uh, during the years. That's what's so powerful for me. I've never even had a similar experience, no way near the first time I heard Heaven's on Fire. Uh, I still remember it to this day, I've told the story many times, but I was like eight years old, and it knocked me out, you know, flat on my ass. Uh, I'd never heard anything like it, and to this day, I love that song. And it made me, you know, uh, it made me want to play the guitar, it made me want to listen to hard rock music. It uh, started off all kinds of things. I wonder what I would have been if I've never heard that one. Maybe I would be into rap or something. Uh, but that one changed you know, the course of my whole life, just that single time. So that's a really important part of my KISS fandom. And uh, then you know, Crazy Nights came. I didn't like that one that much. Hot in the Shade, even worse. Uh, so, the second strong memory, my favorite memory, is when I was I turned on MTV in 92 and I was waiting for the Kiss video from Revenge, the first one, and then I saw Unholy, and it once again I was kind of knocked out by the performance. And they seemed cool, uh, you know, they um, uh, had been disappointed so many times. Uh, previous years. So this one suddenly they seemed cool, uh, they seemed current, Uh, people actually said good stuff about the band instead of ridiculing (laughs) the KISS fans. So that's a real strong memory for me as well. So I guess those are two of my biggest memories and it always has to do with the music.
0: And, and yeah. I think there's no wrong answer to this sort of question no. because mm-hmm. everyone's going to experience things differently and what resonates with them, you know, and, and carries through their life as part of their story. There's, there's no, you know, oh, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. And, you know, remember that feeling of the first time you ever, you know, heard a musical act and it really had an effect on you emotionally or changed your life or sent you in a direction that you never, ever would have guessed. I mean... That, if anything, is better than an experience that perhaps is a purchased one that you you paid for because you just can't ever go back to it and you you can't engineer it. So, excellent. Mine, mine are, are, I mean, this is my all-time favorite (laughs) KISS-related event and it will never change, I don't think. Um, And it is Peter Chris. Um, Peter is I mean you, you kind of touched on some of the negative history of him um, back in the day but I've had a lot of interactions with him over the years and they've all been absolutely fantastic um, whether it was you know talking philosophy basically with him we were talking truth and God you know which mm. and I, I'm not religious in, in that way but we were talking about truth you know backstage in 2003 but nothing will ever top and, uh, and I hope it doesn't top the seeing him at the club in New York city in 2017, performing a set mm. of his songs arranged the way he wanted them arranged with Brett supporting brass and a fantastic band sisters doll um, backing him up and him drumming and being the front man and being sick as a dog and then seeing and interacting with him after the show, But just being blown away by the performance of the amount of effort that he made on that show to make it his way. I mean, Strutter performed with brass. Yeah. Him singing Beth, him playing sing, 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 and having stories and an emotional connection of the Catman giving you his music the way he wanted to with no one else to tell him how to do it. it was just so wonderful. And to be there with 250 or 300 other, you know, probably die-hard cat fans, um, and have him dedicate a song to Moochie, you know, it, it just was absolutely incredible. It was so intimate. It was in New York City, in a club in New York City, seeing Peter Chris. I mean, for me, and having missed so many events in my life, that just I will never stop blathering about that event. I will never get tired of listening to it either. It really is one of those things. Number two, Gene Simmons' vault. Obviously, a very much a paid uh, interaction, but because it was Los Angeles, because I did the second ever vault to be presented, I've got a 15-minute video up on YouTube right now. It's private, but and I've never been able to watch it. Um, but I'm probably going to share that one because it was such an incredible event, not just because of Gene and the vault <laughs> and being such a, so early on in that paid event, so that no happenstance, but we were completely lucky that Bruce was there, that Eric Singer was there, that Ace was there. And it, it, it was just incredible. I've got my best ever photo with Ace. I never need another photo or interaction with Ace really in my life after that photo. I have a picture of me hanging out with Eric and Bruce, the revenge, half the revenge lineup, Um, but also the friends who were there that I experienced this with, the songs and story and seeing a lineup of Kiss that no one else will probably ever see. You know, we saw Ace and Gene, Eric and Bruce up on stage, completely butchering Kiss songs, a few, Uh, and then Ace and Gene trying to do it as well. But because it was so new, Because it was the first event, everything was fresh. The songs and stories, the 15 minutes that I got, which by the end of the events, people were not getting 15 minutes because they were finding their way with those and it completely changed. But because it was such a kind of a cluster in some ways, um, it was very loose. And I had Jonathan with me. I mean, come on, that guy, Jonathan. If you've not seen him or met him online, you know. You can't share an event with a better person than that, really. So those are two of my top, and one of obviously, my my top, and my third one will have changed. So, Michael, let's go back to you for your third best pick.
2: Sure. Uh, So for my third, I'd have to go with the End of the Road Tour. Um, I've been very fortunate to have some amazing experiences on this tour so far. Uh, You know, I've been able—I mean, and I'm not trying to brag, you know, d- please don't take it that way. It's more about me being grateful, uh, not necessarily saying, look what I got. It's more about me just being so like pinching myself. Uh, I've been able to, to go backstage every time uh, during this tour. Uh, I got an all access pass twice, once in Philly, once in Allentown. And as a fan, the first time I got that all access pass, I didn't know I was getting it. I picked up my stuff at the box office and I saw it and I started freaking out. And my wife is like, what's wrong? I'm like, I an all access pass. And she's like, what does that mean? I'm like, we can go backstage. Security has to let us through. <laughs> and then when I got one in Allentown, it was like a God pass, meaning they couldn't stop me. So I was able to go right up to the dressing room door. Not that I was going to go in. I mean, I'm not a moron. But I was able to see the Superman curtain like in person. And I, I took a selfie in front of it and... um It was just so cool. I could, and I wandered all around the arena. I went up to the press box and I went, you know, to the back of the arena and I went to, you know, I was all the way up front. And um, I wound up being in the front row actually for Allentown uh, and for, uh, what do you call it, Hershey, Uh, because security told me that, like, get in. Because with the all access pass, you can pretty much stand wherever you want, but they don't want you in the aisle. And there was space in the front row. So they're like, get in. I was like, "Uh, okay and uh in allentown when i was in the front row i wound up again running into a friend i turned to my right and it's my my friend anthony uh brutica i guess is how you say it and he's like hey man how's it going last time i saw you was at the gene simmons uh concert you know which i was like oh wow you know again who knew of all the thousands of the people in the arena that i'd wind up standing next to him for the duration of this show so for me i think the end of the road tour is special not only because these experiences Um, You know, backstage, meeting the band again Photos, all that happy stuff But I think it's just really taking the time to soak it in Trying to attend as many shows as I can um, And just really take it in Because we really don't know when the last show is going to be for us personally Right, like my next one is in August Um, But that's the last show they have scheduled for anywhere near Philadelphia Will I be in New York? Who knows? But I'd say just really take the time to appreciate it Because trying to get into that final show is going to be real hard So um, I think it's important that we really uh, be in the moment, uh, whatever that show is before that last show, in case we don't get in. Um, So I'm trying to just really appreciate this tour as much as possible because it's kind of a celebration and culmination of uh, all the great experiences I've had over the past 16 years. And I'm so grateful, like I said, that they... Decided to tour again because had they not I would have missed out on three kiss cruises all these interviews all these Concerts all these amazing experiences and obviously being on the show with you guys So uh, I think that that this tour is kind of a reflection and celebration of all those things So that's why for me. It's probably my favorite tour Nice
0: wonderful. I mean my end of the road experience is up there as well you know and being able to take ken backstage uh you know that's the first time i'd had a pass since the farewell tour so um but to be able to share it and pay it forward like you know as mike had done for me back in 2000 was really cool mark what's uh, another one of well your final pick for your best your best kiss experiences
1: well this one is a uh actually has less to do with the band personally but they have a great deal to do with the situation um back years ago when i was uh doing another band of mine uh you know doing the ever popular auditioning of different people to come in and play and uh i had met this guy uh named ted he used to go to school with me and uh, we hooked up and it's like, hey, what's going on? And we started talk- talking and he was interested in joining. So, you know, we met up in our rehearsal spot and then we decided to, after we did the preliminary introductions to each other, we decided to go back to his place and work on some songs at his place. He said he had a nice big jam room and we could just, you know, crank up the amps a bit if we wanted over there. So he was like, okay, great. So I went over there and the minute I stepped into his house, I already had a feeling that this guy was gonna work out just fine. He had Kiss posters everywhere in his house. He had all these like, you know, really like, like perfectly plaqued and mounted things. Like you could really tell that his stuff that he had, he took, you know, great pride. And he had all these old black and white photos and frames and stuff like that. Like everything that you could possibly think of, he had framed and put up on walls and in his jam room it was all kinds of promotional posters from whenever albums came out and stuff. And, uh, you know, he was sh- he would show me some of his less Pauls that he had because he was into Ace Freely big time, right? So it turned into one of those things where we just sat in his room. We started talking about Kiss and what your favorite record is and stuff. And then we just started showing each other licks that we knew from different Kiss songs. And they're like, oh, yeah, I know that too. And then we would just play, you know, like the parts. Like I would do the Paul parts. He'd do the Ace parts. And we would just jam. And three, four hours went by. And I think we worked on about four or five minutes of the actual band songs that we were supposed to go over, but then we went over about you know four hours of Kiss songs instead. So, uh, it re- that's to me one of the greatest examples of how Kiss, you know, made a memory so strong for me based around my own music stuff. Like you know, because if it wasn't for our connection with Kiss. I don't think we and him would have reconnected again. And we played in that band together for quite a while. We had such a great time and we watched so many, you know, different Kiss videos together, like whatever MTV Unplugged came out, he called me and said, Hey, I just got it. Come on over to the house. And, you know, we would watch it that night at his place, you know, grab a whole case of beer to be all done by the end of the video, you know? And it was just so many great memories around that based around Kiss. And, you know, that to me, it's probably one of the most important things I think KISS does is it, it brings people together, unifies them musically, not only because of the love of their music, but it also kind of re-kickstarted our love of playing guitar even more than what we had. Because we were having so much fun paying, playing their riffs that it really got us inspired. We wrote so many songs after that because of that. We were so you know fired up at, with our connection of that music. It, it really helped get the engine running. So that's a really, really strong memory. I think all three of them to me are pretty equal in strength and what I remember of them.
0: Yeah, very powerful. The, the power of the people connection can never be, you know, mitigated or devalued. Daniel, what about your last pick?
3: Well, it, it, it kind of resembles what Mark is talking about. Uh, you know, ch- sharing the experience with friends. Uh Me growing up, me and two other guys, we started listening to KISS and we started playing the instruments. And we had to wait a real long time before we were able to see them live. But in 96 or 97, I think it was, we got some tickets for the two shows in Stockholm Stadium. 35,000 people each night sold out. People were crazy at those concerts. And it was not only seeing them live for the first time, but it was like sharing it with your friends who had grown up listening to KISS, and finally you saw them together. I don't think it would have been the same if I'd been alone, but sharing it with, with my friends and uh, just being knocked out by that performance. Uh, uh, and those two concerts are like the best crowds I've ever seen. I mean, it was crazy. You could stand in one place at one point, and five seconds later, you were like, 20 yards to the side i mean people were moving and it was such a happy time and you know uh, at that point people were expecting like a moon landing when kiss performed it was all over the press uh, people everywhere in makeup so it was such a celebration and uh uh, I think we have to mention uh, Kiss Live. I mean, that has to be a big part of every Kiss fan's uh, fandom, I think, because uh, there's no band really that um, has topped them when it comes to, you know, uh, a show. I think uh, uh, people have tried, but I, I don't think even Ramstein or or uh, Alice Cooper or these other acts are near Kiss when they are at their best. So, so so, I have to say that concert and the experience with my friends and I've never been religious well maybe when I was a little kid but uh, uh, this is the closest thing I'll ever be to becoming a religious man you know the, the camaraderie with with KISS fans uh, believing in something together uh, not caring about facts and uh, what other guys are saying you're just so into it so you, you like believe in it whatever happens. So it's a really nice feeling, and and um, I sure appreciate being able to share it with you guys.
0: Yeah, the electric rapture from the congregation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, there's nothing quite like it. All right, my final pick, um, people. It, it, I, I think it really is about people. And one of the events that I've been lucky to attend that had an overdose of people was the Atlanta Kiss Expo that saw the return of Vinnie Vincent to public life because everyone crawled out from under their rocks. Everyone who, you know, really had an interest in Vinnie's resurrection was there. Um, and a lot of people didn't make it to the event, obviously, um, but those who did came from far and wide. And it was an opportunity to meet so many people I had known online for so many decades, for years, In person, um, you know, right down from the first night's meal with the Swedes, the Norwegians, the Dutch, um, the Finns. I I mean, it was just absolutely bonkers how far people had come for this event. The number of podcasters who were there. Uh, My experience is obviously as a vendor there and getting to sell books direct to people and also have people bring in books and sign them and get to thank them in person for their support of all my projects. Roger Bernard's amazing kiss books, Arjun with his uh, incredible collectibles next to me that I got to see and smell, Um, (laughs) uh, Ross Radley with his... project directly in front of me getting roped into doing the q a for kurt and jeff i mean kurt and jeff are, are very important to me from a similar shared interest and you know a history point of view but i think the one moment of that whole show uh, that whole weekend that really blew me away was getting to be with tim who was obviously a very important part of the kiss faq and the book projects again i will never cease to mention that they were his brainchild and the majority of his effort and work um but him nils who did the covers for both of those and andy moyan you know andy bought two of the books while we were there and said, I want a photo with the three of you. And that is the only time I think that you'll ever see the three of us in the same place. And Nils is as important to those projects uh, for what he brought mm-hmm. in terms of the design to have high quality covers for those to match the high quality interviews that, um, Tim had done for that and the high quality trouble that I had caused for all of those projects uh, You know, and Andy <laughs> again as a person who's done a heck of a lot of really interesting things, he's called a super fan in, in some ways but uh, you know, have a picture of the four of us together it's up on my wall, it'll always be up on my wall, I've got other pictures with Tim from like the LA event but to have Nils there as well, just absolutely wonderful and I hope that, you know, in the years to come, that there are other opportunities to bring fans together from all over the world that so many people will have only known each other online as Facebook friends. To actually meet together, to share a meal together, to share stories late into the night together, there's nothing better. Forget the
1: band. Mm-hmm.
0: Forget Vinny. I mean, that's a, that was all irrelevant to that weekend you know, looking over at the corner, yeah. there's the three sides of the coin guys. There's uh, the KISS costume guy. Oh my god, that's absolutely amazing. I I, I hope yeah. we get to do that again.
1: I definitely think that's true. I mean, one of my memories that are strong based around that idea is when we went when we went to the rockin' pod, the first one. Uh, I, I really enjoyed, like, in the evening time when me and you would get together, Julian, and we would go and you would pop open your laptop and you would, you know, play me stuff that I've never even heard before, like some rare stuff, and I'd be like, wow, this is some great stuff. I mean, I'm sure it's not that, like, out, you know, people, I'm sure people have probably heard some of it before, but, you know, because I'm not as versed in the bootleg world as others are, so... For me, one might be really rare. Some people might say, "Oh, I've heard that a hundred times," but it doesn't matter what it was. It was just the, the whole idea of sitting there and listening to stuff that was really one of the cool things. And you know, hanging out with Lonnie too. You know, we had dinner together, meeting him, and his wife there, and we chatted about a whole bunch of different stuff. And it, it, you're right; it's those moments that make the loving of Kiss that much more fun because it doesn't matter if if they're directly involved in it. They are in the sense that their band brought. Us together and have those moments. Yeah,
0: rock, rock and pot. I mean, that's another one. One of the people memories, especially yeah. when I plugged my phone into the PA system and I I played a demo <laughs> of uh, Turn on the Night and Gary Schaller came running up. He's the only one who noticed. Um, what was that? Uh, <laughs> and I, I played Do You Want to Touch Me Now as well. Um, the uh, the outtake from Revenge. No one noticed. It's like, you guys, wake up! All right, let's get into... Let's go to the dark side now. And uh, some of those biggest kiss-related regrets Mm -hmm. that you've had. And anything goes. Michael, let's start with two of yours.
2: Sure. Um, So I think the the most interesting one is the one I'll give you right now. Which is, I, I... I want to say, I mean, I don't know if it's a regret. I mean, it's, it. I had a bad interview with Gene uh, right before they announced the end of the road tour. Uh, Basically, his publicist squeezed in an interview for me with him on a Sunday, the same day he was spending time with his mother, and he was just miserable. So, I mean, he was. uh, He only wanted to talk about soda and his new book and nothing else. Uh, so any interesting question I had, he just would like blow me off and say, next question, next question, or ask the effing question. I mean, he was pissed and I was, you know, I was really intimidated. Cause I'm like, what the heck is this? Like what's going on? Cause I'm used to like pre I interviewed him two times before had answered que- or asked him questions all over the place. Right. Not just one topic. Cause what fan only wants to know about one thing. And, um, you know, he was super nice, you know, uh, whatever you want to do, boss, you know, just really like accommodating. But this time he was just uh, an ass and like really rude. Uh, I never published it because I was like traumatized by the experience. And uh, I, but then I found out just a few months later that his mother died. So in my mind, what happened is she must have, you know, either been ill. Or a lot of times before someone dies, they either fall, they you know break their hip. Like something happens, right? Old people don't typically just die. they Typically something leads to it. They broke their leg, they never recovered, they get pneumonia, they die. Something like that occurs. So my guess is that she wasn't in great uh, condition. And he was, you know, obviously he's always loved his mother. And to him, their time is probably sacred together, mm-hmm. especially at that point in time. And for the publicist to squeeze in an interview on a day when he's supposed to be spending time with her... You don't want to talk to me. She should have known better. She shouldn't have scheduled it. But once his mother died, I reached out to both him and the publicist. And I said to the publicist, you know, I'm sure if you knew that his mother was going through a situation, you wouldn't have scheduled the interview. Uh, And then I reached out to Gene and I, I mailed him a sympathy card and I emailed him and I offered my condolences as well. And I still reach out to him from time to time. And obviously, I've seen him backstage and everything since then. Not that he remembers who the heck I am, I'm sure. But um you know, all's well that ends well, and I try not to hold it against him because, yeah, he was awful. But, but guess what? I can be awful too on certain days if you catch me at the wrong moment. So I just try to look at him as a human being, as you guys were saying, right? Kind of looking past the whole idol thing. Looking, pa- he's just a guy who I caught at a bad moment because of the circumstances. And he, you know, while he didn't handle the situation well, it is what it is. Obviously, I would have. I guess I regret that that even happened. But um, I think it also is a good reality check for us that we can't necessarily hold our idols up too high because then it kind of causes us to rationalize bad behavior or human behavior, which is never a good thing. So I'd say that's probably like my biggest thing where that really stayed with me for a while. But now, you know, I'm obviously past it. And then the um, second thing, I suppose, which is not nearly as intense, is um, I'm pissed that I missed out on the Paul Stanley uh, live to win tour uh there was a period of time there during the past 16 years when i guess kiss kept touring every single year and i just kind of like you know ignored it for a while because it's like ah oh, they're touring again whatever so like i missed the motley crew tour i missed the alive 35 tour but and those were you know fine but what i really missed out on was paul's solo tour which sucks because that album was great that tour was great thank god they documented it But, um, man, I would have loved to have seen it. And obviously, having gone to Gene's solo tour, I was like, boy, I I really hope Paul does this again Uh, when Kiss um, winds down. I think he will. And obviously, his voice isn't what it used to be, but I think he's found a happy place for his voice at this point in time. So if he does do another solo tour, I'm there, because that's something that everyone talks about how great it was. So I was like, man, I can't believe I missed that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, ouch on the on the gene story but yeah and uh he is almost human you have to remember that mm-hmm. yeah, almost yeah. A human, almost a human. <laughs> uh mark let's go to you next on two of your regrets
1: well actually i only really have two to be honest um, which is i guess maybe a good thing um one of them is the fact that i missed the club tour date when they just got Eric Singer in, in Toronto. I was going to go to that. Ted, the guy I just talked about earlier, he had tickets. He's like, dude, maybe we got to go. And I don't remember what it was. I don't know if it was because I had to work overtime at work or something stupid, something which now, in retrospect, I kicked myself and say, why the hell did I just blow off my stupid work for that? You know, uh, And I just didn't end up going to it. And again, it was also partially one of these situations where I think kind of Michael touched on where it's like they were touring so much beforehand, you know, every, it was normal to see them come to Toronto on a tour almost every year, you know? So I was like, Oh, you know, whatever, if I miss this, they'll be back around and this and that. And yeah, they did come back, you know, for tours later. So I, you know, got to see Eric Singer play with them, but that's not the point. The point is that that was probably one of the best shows ever i mean ted got a bootleg vhs copy of it i think a couple of days later because there was a guy in toronto that's known who goes out in the same street corner every weekend and sells these videotapes so he got a copy of it from him and it was a really good one like it almost seemed like maybe like second generation at the most okay and we watched it and i just kind of just was shaking my head through the whole time and he kept saying to me look at me going i told you i told you and it was. So good. Like the performances were so well done. There was so much energy in a crowd. Like when I watched that, I was like, Oh God, what an idiot. I I just felt like an idiot. Just so, you know, say, sorry, I I I can't I have to I really should do this overtime at work. Moron, you know. That's why I kept thinking to myself that I did that. So that's the biggest one. The only other regret that I did have, and this is not so critical a regret, but in retrospect being sort of a collector. I do regret this is when kiss put out sonic boom on those colored vinyls when it first came out and you could get them for like $50 or whatever was some normal price. I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll get it later. Yeah, I'll get it later. And then realized that they were sold out. And then when I finally decided as I got more hardcore into collecting, I got to go get that. I was like, "How, how much now I was like, forget it. I'm not dropping that much money for a copy of it. And you know, that to me is another regret because they were like staring right in front of me and they had still all the colors available and you know, I was just kinda of like, nah, whatever, they'll be there. They're kiss records, they'll be around, you know, I'll get them at a later date. And then uh yeah, they were gone. So that's another regret. But that kiss concert, that club date thing that that still hurts now.
0: All right, Daniel. Share the pain. Share
1: the pain <laughs> Well, I have
3: a completely different Type of memory. Uh, this goes back to I guess '93 somewhere around there, and uh, I was really into this girl, beautiful girl, and uh, she was into me I think as well, and things were progressing, and then she told me she liked a band called REM, and and this oh, will, will show you what what when you're deep into fan and what it can can do to you, and. Uh, I said to myself, I can't go out with a girl who likes REM. It's impossible. Yeah, God damn! And we almost got into, you know, confrontation there. But but uh, I said a few too many words right then and there, uh, and so she, she totally blew me off after that, and uh, we never got to the fun stuff. So so uh, that's my biggest regret. I, re, I, re, I, I I I I had to get a reality check, you know. <laughs> If I'm this deep into Kiss Phantom, that it destroys relationships with girls that I really like, I'm in trouble. So I actually, like a few months after that, I threw away my Kiss stuff. Uh, I got rid of it. And I started to listen listening to Frank Sinatra and Sarah Brightman. I had I what the completely, completely <laughs> messed with my mind. And... Uh, that's of amazing. course, after a few months, I came around again, and I—that's mm-hmm. another one of I regret throwing away my kiss stuff. I didn't have a lot as much stuff as you, you Juliano, mm-hmm. but I had quite a bit of stuff. But I just threw it away and started listening to Sinatra and tried to get that girl back, but <laughs> it, it, it never happened. So that's sort of my biggest wow. regret, and it tells you how this this fandom can, you know, fuck with your mind. <laughs> So to speak. <laughs> but uh, I, ca- I came around and I had a <laughs> new to. But, but that's, wow. that's the way it was back then. Yeah.
1: I was unbelievable. Deep.
3: That's yeah. uh that's different. <laughs> yeah, that's different. But I uh, you know as a true Kiss trooper I couldn't really go out with a girl who liked REM. It was it, it was impossible.
0: I could understand um, you know maybe Morrissey kind of interfering with you know your mojo but uh, rem
1: ah i didn't like him i gotta ask though daniel were you were you were you doing the sinatra thing because you were trying to learn like that one key love song that'll win her back
3: <laughs> maybe well i was trying to a more uh, have a a more sophisticated approach and uh. sort of wearing uh, you know but but it only lasted for a few months and and then I became the rocker guy again. Nothing so, wrong
0: with Sinatra. But I still
3: like Sinatra.
0: Yeah, so good. good. Everyone should yeah. give him a try. So, uh, do you have another one?
3: No, that's about it. That, that, that's I it. The- it's wow. pretty heavy. I, I, I was
0: yeah. going to say, I mean, where else do you go from there in terms of a uh, bit of a kiss bummer? Wow. Well, okay. Um, I'll, I'll do one of mine and um, I'm going to leave it to just maybe three words, Bob Ezrin, Odyssey, it never, ever, ever, and maybe one day I'll get to tell the story, yeah. but um, yeah, and you just have something happen, and have the ramifications that it had, uh, completely unintended, accidental, mm-hmm. it's like a drunk driver killing someone, It's uh, you can never undo it, and it's just, wow. Really, really depressing still to this day. I will never be over it. And, uh, you know, that, that's one. And then for me, it's missing the Live Worldwide tour in '96. I was at the University of Canterbury in England, and uh, I just blew all my money on, you know, stupid stuff and couldn't afford the gas or travel to get there to uh, Birmingham or to um, Wembley. So I never got to see Kiss. In England my home country I had tickets in 99 to fly back to see them on the Psycho Circus store there in in March and work happened and I had to cancel at the very last moment so I will now likely never get to see them in Britain which is um, a bit of a bummer because um, you know to be in a British audience Mm. either up in Newcastle now or Liverpool any of the places that i've lived would be absolutely wonderful and i thought about trying to get out there during this last you know run and you know just couldn't do it with the logistics of reality my life so you know that would be my second michael let's go back to you for your final pick
2: yeah well, actually it's related to what you said so i <clears throat> because i first saw kiss live in 2003 i never had a chance to see the original lineup live um Which is why I really wanted to be at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for their induction, which I was. So I could say I saw the original lineup together, um, you know, live, just not musically. But um, because really my first concert was in 1998 to see Rod Stewart, who was incredible. And um, so I missed out on the reunion tour, I think mainly because when I was that age, I didn't even realize going to concerts was like an idea. Like to me, like musicians were just like on a CD or on the radio. I didn't even think like, oh, I could see them live and they're in my town because I wasn't really independent, right? I was a kid. I was in sixth grade. I wasn't thinking like, I'm going to go buy a ticket on Ticketmaster. Like that just wasn't something I did. And um, I guess the idea just didn't occur to me until after the farewell tour. So I'm like, oh, I could have been to the the reunion tour in the psycho circus tour and the farewell tour but i just didn't even have the thought to attend uh because it just wasn't part of my reality um so i guess i'm you know uh, uh, that's a shame but i have met um all of the original members and the current members i've interviewed everyone except peter i think is whatever uh i've tried but um so I mean, you know, even though I missed out on that, I mean, again, thank God they document all this stuff so we can still relive it in some way. Um, and the convention, the Kiss, I'm kind of adding this, but the Kiss conventions, like from the mid '90s, where they did, you know, the um, acoustic shows and at the museum, and oh my God, that would have been incredible to experience that too. But again, I was like in fifth grade, like how, I don't even mean, know how old I was. But um, that would have been amazing. This is why I'm like an old person in a younger person's body. I wish I was like a teenager in the 80s. (laughs) I would have seen all of this. But, um, you know, again, I I can't complain. I've had some amazing experiences. But I think, you know, that original lineup and missing out on that kind of, you know, magic um, is is something that uh, I regret. But, um, you know, it's totally understandable why I missed out on it in the first place.
0: Yeah. You gotta be like Ace, hey, early, No regrets, no memories, no regrets.
2: Just
0: mm-hmm. can't remember. Can't, <laughs> yeah. can't remember. Um, Mark, let's get to you for your final pick.
1: Actually, I I don't have any other regrets than that. I did I did tell you the two that I had, but those are really my main regrets.
0: Hmm. And Daniel of That's course good. doesn't have anything to add. So I do do I add one? I I think. Probably not giving away half of the FAQ to have a full-time 50% partner when I had the opportunity. I waited too long and lost the opportunity. I think it, the, the FAQ could have benefited in terms of content had I done so, um, you know, been a, read the situation a bit better, you know.
3: And How I, do you I think it re- would be different? What would be different in detail?
0: I, um, wow. I, I think it would have continued to have better content, more interviews, more um, it would have grown in that direction to becoming more of like the fanzine that um, existed in print in the 1980s, in particular mm. in the 90s. I mean, thinking back to, you know, some of those great Ron Roxburgh, Firehouse, um, you know, Nico, mm-hmm. of course, in, in Europe, and Strike, uh, Joop, or jupe however you say his name, and Kiss Collector, Fanzine, um, I, I think it would have grown that direction, and maybe it would have grown into more of maybe other people being brought in as partners, as equal owners of the FAQ. And it certainly would have made my exit from it easier, because, you know, had, had I turned it over to, you know, partners, they would have, you know, been responsible for it when I stepped off, um, which I had wanted to do for many years. Um, now I've just kind of figure it's my cross to bear to the end. <laughs> As I can't get, rid, can't get rid of it, yeah. can't step away from it, can't be disassociated oh. from it. I mean, when people talk about the FAQ, that it, it's almost that I'm synonymous with it, which I hate. Um, I, I despise that with a passion because it's just my ego's not in that space. I just want to be someone who enjoys everything, like i did at this last end of the road tour show i went to i went into that show and i was just able to be a fan i wasn't trying to report on it i wasn't trying to document it i wasn't keeping track of anything that happened i just let my hair down and let go and just allowed to be enveloped into it which i haven't been able to do on so many events because i felt like an obligation to report on it to the faq or to write up a report um and the only event that I was ever able to successfully enjoy and report on concurrently uh, was, of course, the Peter event. I was able to happily, mm-hmm. because, again, it was just so part of my DNA, everything there, that it wasn't a, a task to report. But every KISS show, I'd ruined so many KISS shows by sitting there with video or taking notes or trying to write up okay. stuff or doing other things um, just to be able to do that. So. You know, that, that, that's kind of a regret. The FAQ is, is a, regret, a, a regret. There are many regrets within the space of the FAQ. You know, it's not just a message board. It's actually been a lot of pain, um, you know, just uh, dealing with some of the people who just never stay banned. Um, so, yeah, that, you know, one of my regrets is I never got to turn it over to someone else to take it in a new direction. So, and I don't mean that in a bad sense because I'm really mm. happy and thrilled to still be a part of it.
1: <laughs>
0: Hon- honestly, uh, medication. Um, we're at an hour. I don't think we need to touch oh, no. any of these other topics. I mean, that that was a really good pick, Michael. You know, that's you. Uh, you know taking us through a whole show. I mean, we had uh, some other things from the message board from <laughs> the last episode that we didn't get to, and I see no point whatsoever in talking about them today. Um, hmm. Let's leave it there. And for everyone who's out there in isolation in quarantine, check out a different podcast. Ken Ken Mills and I had a nice chat that became a podcast episode. Um, I think there's a Kiss Room coming up this week, a remote Kiss Room, which should be very exciting. Pot of Thunder's always busy. Um, Joe Polo's continuously trying to do something on Facebook, and (laughs) seems to spend most of his time. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? But uh, don't forget, Podcast Rock City is busy. There was uh, recently a new episode of Kiss My Wax or Collectibles. I always forget what they Mm -hmm. actually call themselves. So there's a lot going on that can keep you entertained when you start. Looking through the Netflix flick selection and say, "Have I watched that yet? It looks really bad, but I'm really bored." Um, and Michael, I wanted to ask you actually, you know, for staying fit because you do deep yoga. Have you, has that helped you uh, during quarantine in terms of like, you know, centering yourself and getting all relaxed?
2: Yeah. So actually, yesterday was Diamond Dallas Page's birthday, uh, so I wish him happy birthday. And the week before that was my birthday, so everybody's celebrating birthdays in quarantine. But um, yeah, I've been trying to hit, you know, hit the mat and get in workouts when I can. I got to admit, I have been a little lazy because, you know, I mean, when you're home and you're not really getting out, you're just like less driven. But uh, at least a few times a week, I make it a point, even if it's just like a 20-minute workout. I, you know, I find that sometimes if you intimidate yourself by saying, oh, I got to do something for an hour, you're not going to do it. But if you say, hey, for 20 minutes, let me just stretch out. Let me do some sort of yoga, whatever works for you, 20 minutes. You know, if you do 20 minutes three to four times a week, you'll feel much better. And that's that's what I do, because my back or my, my body is just like, oh, I'm achy and tight, like stretch. I do it. And then after I'm done, I feel better. So it's like, you know, if you know you should do it, just do it, because by the end you'll feel better. And that's the goal. I mean, so do whatever works for you. You know, some people like to do dancing. Some people like to do yoga. Some people like to lift weights. You can do whatever you want. Run a marathon in your house like that one guy, uh, you know, but. <laughs> If you just commit to 20 minutes, I feel like it's it's less intimidating, so I try to make time for that at least a few times a week, and now that you've said it, I will probably make it happen today. <laughs> well, and, and that was the
0: point on which to end. We want everyone to stay healthy while you face uh, your challenges. I'm glad to see a couple other people who had COVID on my Facebook page uh, are getting through it. You know, Keep fighting, keep battling, and uh, take care of yourselves and your mental health during this challenging time but for now from mark from michael from danny and myself thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time on the kiss faq podcast
2: bye for now see you guys
0: thank you for spending time listening to the kiss faq podcast today all sales are final there are no refunds if you'd like look us up on facebook or come over to the kiss faq message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today don't forget to rate us on itunes spreaker or wherever you've listened to the show we hope you'll join us again